No internet filter is going to be good enough to protect our kids from exposure to sex. And so we want that information coming from us, not Johnny on the school bus. And a question that we get asked often is, well, when? And, oh, I don't want to have to talk too early. Or, And it's, it's better to be too early than to be too late. Yes. Mental health challenges are often kept in the closet or even swept under the rug. We know they can affect anyone from adults to children, and the struggle is real. Join us as we talk about relevant topics with mental health experts. Welcome to Equip Online, a place for hope and help. Welcome to Equip Online. I'm Wally, and this is Brian. And today we're going to be talking about a subject that can strike fear in parents' hearts. How do we talk to our children about sex? And so we brought in two experts to help us with us today, Cheryl Butler and Dana Spindler. Brian, would you mind introducing? Tell us more about our guests. Absolutely. Absolutely. We're really talking about this topic today. <laughs> yes, we are. Okay. All right. <laughs> no, absolutely. No, we are uh, excited about our guests today. So uh, we've got uh, Cheryl Butler, who is a licensed professional counselor and runs her own practice in the Woodlands called True North. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's passionate about helping individuals, couples, uh, and families. And I love this find not only balance to all the demands of life, but that they would have joy while doing that. And I, I love, I love that heart that you have for that. You. Um, and you've brought a guest as well with you today. So, uh, I'll introduce this is uh, Dana Spindler and who's also at True North as well. Yes. And, uh, and one thing that's so cool, like earlier today, right? <laughs> like, uh, while the rest of us, you know, we just got some cough and we barely made it here. Dana, you've already gone and ran a 5k run earlier today before we recorded. So that's pretty awesome. So congratulations on <laughs> Thank that. You. I'm part proud. of a, part of a, a goal that you set for yourself. It I did. Like. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And so, so Dana is a, a wife and a mom for over 20 years. Um, and you love to connect your life experience with professional experience. So yes. I love that to make it real for people. And it sounds like your clients are typically women who are struggling with their roles in life, anxiety, relationship issues. And you, you also work a lot with men and people who serve others, like yes. pastors, teachers, first responders, and military. I do. I enjoy that very yeah. much. Yeah, that is awesome. So, uh, so it's great to have you all here. So we're going to just you. jump right into this topic. Um, so as, as I was thinking about it, um, you know, this is one of the things as a pastor I get to do is uh, premarital counseling. Mm-hmm. And at some point, um, I have a lot of fun just even asking the question. So when we, you know, part of the counseling is talking about sex and I'll usually throw out. So tell me about the sex talk that your parents had with you when you were kids. (laughs) And like almost probably 95% of the time, it was either super awkward or (laughs) normally it just didn't happen at all. Like it was just total avoidance. Um, And so this is obviously a tricky, difficult topic but such a hugely important one, mm-hmm. particularly in the world we live in now. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just like, you know, pretty much when the moment you enter this earth, you're getting messages, information is out there, you're getting things that you're seeing, things that are being talked about that are related to some message about sex. Mm-hmm. And they're hearing all that. And so we really want to talk about that today. So while anything from your perspective as we said, oh, well, I know as we get into it, um, <laughs> 
it 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 does bring fear to people's hearts. I know that firsthand experience because it did my dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, some guys on the street were talking to me about sex a little bit, and they were uh, using innuendos, and and I couldn't quite figure out what they were talking about. So at dinner table that night, I asked mom and dad. I said, "Hey, can you tell me what the word blank means?" And uh, my dad's a notoriously gracious host. He eats so slow; he's the last one to get up from the table. I mean, it was like we entered into the lightning round. He <laughs> ate his dinner so fast and got up and left the table. And it's just me and mom. Oh, and I, oh mom was not happy. <laughs> yeah. So I yeah. still laugh about that years later. And, um, you know, I know I took a different approach with my kids, but we're in such a different world than what we were in the time that I grew up with the plethora of information that's out there and the different ways that it can come to us. Um, so. Obviously, the, I think the first question we want to ask is, why? Why is it important that we talk to our children about sex and that that information comes from us? So mm-hmm. turn it over to you, ladies. Man, well, you know, I, I, the very first thing is, is that, the as you alluded to, the world is, we live in a very sexual world. It permeates everything. Every, everywhere. Going into the mall, you know, there's big giant billboards and everything. And so the world is very loud about it, but parents are often pretty quiet about it. And we need to reverse that because God created us to be sexual beings and we need to help to teach our kids um, the view of sex that we believe God created and yes. we want for them. So yeah. we want it to come from us. We do. And in and, and at the heart of it, God is procreation. <laughs> and we've been laughing about that a little bit in preparing yeah. for this, that that's what we want to communicate, not a fear of sex, but that we're procreation. Sex is about creation. It's about intimacy between two people. And it's about creating new things, new, new depths of feelings, new people, a bigger family, all those sorts of things. And that's, that's wonderful, cool stuff. That feels good. That's a very fascinating twist on that. Because usually (laughs) you hear procreation, you think it's going to be the message of, it's only if you're trying to start a family. It's only if you're trying to have children. Yes. But you kind of took a different view yes. of that and even the way you define that. So it's pretty interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yeah. and at its core, the word pro is against shame. So what we're trying to do is uh, reduce the shame factor around sex. And we'll talk a little bit about the terrible statistics around pornography and and but kids aren't going to be brave enough like you were Wally at the dinner table to ask your parents whenever they are shrouded in shame about the topics. Yes. We want to help create families who the topic of sex is not taboo. No. It's respected. It's revered. It's celebrated. It's it's very pro, pro-sex. Yes. And, and I do understand that as parents, we want to, another pro word here, protect. Um, we want to, you know, keep our kids from harm and that heart, like thinking that they could be harmed can cause fear in us. We have a lot of, there's a lot of things that we fear involving sex in our children. And, but we'd never want a parent out of fear. Uh, God doesn't call us to fear, firstly. And we also don't want to make them believe that it's something to fear. It's something to understand. Mm, that's so good. Help us understand. Um, I know you guys are passionate about this and really helping to um, teach and educate. So 
give us a little insight into what is the current landscape like that our kids are growing up in, you know, whether that's statistics or just help us to kind of maybe appreciate the world that they're growing up in a little bit. If you would. Mm-hmm. Um, most kids by the age of 13 have been exposed to pornography. So, um, that's one very direct way to answer your question. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But most kids that are coming into our office, um, they have seen things online that are way beyond what someone would have seen 40 years ago. We, we, we joke and laugh about a JCPenney catalog or other magazines. And, um, and although those are equally toxic, mm-hmm. well, not equally, they, although those are toxic, these our kids are being exposed to some really dangerous things and it's affecting not only their view of sexuality, but it's, it's affecting their future sexual relationships Mm -hmm. and ultimately then um, the relationship with others. Yeah. And I think to the uh, embracing of our culture as a whole of being open, uh, whether it's being open about the fact that you have attention deficit or being open about the fact about your sexuality that you're not to have any shame or, you know, no one's to label or those sorts of things. It means that they're, everyone's talking about it. Everyone is. Mm. Yeah. It's interesting. I mean, I I think that um, the reality is it's not even that your son or your daughter that may be pretty young is intentionally seeking that out. Correct. But it is seeking them out. It seems Mm -hmm. like even more so than them. And they may be truly innocently, on a, on a website or sometimes mm-hmm. playing a video game or, I mean, I heard of a, an is, uh, something that happened in our own neighborhood with two young kids mm-hmm. and two teens came up and showed these kids pornography stuff on their phone mm-hmm. just to be funny, yeah. you know, but, but we live in a day where it, it finds them quickly. And now that's the information that's coming at them. And I think that goes back to the original question of why. Why are we having this conversation? Mm-hmm. <laughs> this is why um, no internet filter is going to be good enough to protect our kids from exposure to sex. And so we want that information coming from us, not Johnny on the school bus. And a question that we get asked often is, well, when? And, oh, I don't want to have to talk too early. or And it's, it's better to be too early than t- to be too late. Yes. And we don't want to be, you know, Pharisees where we act like nothing is happening. You know, able to penetrate our home because we're doing all the right things. You know, we have mm-hmm. to be willing to accept that our kids could know some things that we are not prepared for them to know yet. And so we have to be willing to be the one that has the conversation. Yeah. You know, I think about too, even um, so back in my day, TV was black and white. Uh, watch the Dick Van Dyke show. Uh, when, Two beds. Uh, when, they, when they would go to bed at night, they would go to separate beds. And so, you know, even if you were to say, okay, my child's not going to have, which I know would be rare if it happened today, a cell phone until they're uh, 13, even if they're not going to have internet access with me, me, me sitting looking over their shoulder, it's still being brought into the home in sitcoms and movies uh, in a way that, was never exposed to as a child when I was growing up. Mm -hmm. So I think it's really important to have these conversations so that, um, uh, I forgot who it says it, but we want our kid, um, we want our kids drinking pure water. We don't want them drinking from the toilet, Mm -hmm. you know? And so that's the imagery that, that we want to create 
uh, and having the talks. Yeah, yeah, that's definitely, definitely. Well, you kind of alluded to it a little bit. Maybe we can go there now. Um, I think, I mean, there's something about a parent. You have your your little baby girl or little baby boy, and you still like picture that, and you're like, I just want my kid to just be innocent. Why do I have to have this talk about sex with my little baby? You know. But um, in in some ways, you said it's really better to err on the side of earlier than later of mm-hmm. being too late to have this conversation. But would you give us some thoughts on what is? Tell us about age appropriate conversations, maybe some different age ranges, and kind of how you go about doing that. Sure. Yeah. I, you know, I think it starts at birth, which people are probably, that's when they're, you know, don't turn off the podcast because they're like, no, not my little sweet baby that's born. But it's, it has to begin in our own mindsets. I love that you use the word innocent. And as you were talking, I was think, trying to think of what is the opposite word for innocent? Because if we're wanting to keep them innocent, do we have a fear that if we introduce this topic, then they are now marred? How do, I can't think yeah. of what the synonym would be, but it, it begins with how we are viewing sexuality and taking an inventory of do we believe that sex is good and 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 gifted to us or do, do we believe it's like oh I can't go there with little Johnny you know yeah so so it. from birth would be you know you bring your own uh, thoughts beliefs fears about sexuality into your relationship into mm-hmm. your marriage and, and and so when that baby is born they're born into what you believe about all that and so it's important like there's a great book that we love it's parenting from the inside out and so it's like knowing what you think and believe about these things because from birth on you're going to be communicating that to your kiddos mm-hmm. So as you guys um, want to go back to Brian's question about when's age appropriate Mm -hmm. and at different ages, but let's say that one of the parents or both of the parents have a a dysfunctional background when it comes to this subject. Do you guys work with parents to help them think that through or work through that in Mm -hmm. preparation them for them to be able to have a healthy wholesome conversation with their children as well. Is that something mm-hmm. y'all do? Yes. Yeah, we do. Yeah, we're, we're happy to be part of that healing, happy to walk along with someone about that and seeing how maybe maybe past traumas or just general like beliefs that maybe they, I mean, I, I even have people that just beliefs that come from what they heard as a child in church about sexuality that that alters and makes them fearful. And so just helping to work through that. Yeah, that's good. Well, jump back to the question then as far as the ages. Yeah. So we have, you know, we kind of broke it down into chunks of birth to four. And at birth to four, you're not only working on your own sexual inventory and your own healing, like that word, but you're also introducing vocabulary. We're teaching our kids words now. And um, a lot of, you've probably heard a lot of experts will tell you not to use code words for private parts. You know, don't, don't call private parts cookies or other other things (laughs) but because it insinuates that if you use the right word for it there's there's shame again we're trying to alleviate shame it's a it's a vocabulary word and um and that might feel uncomfortable for people but if it feels uncomfortable for you it's it now will feel uncomfortable for your child Mm -hmm. so we want to start introducing words to your kids and it's it's um it's passively it's it's just 
you know, yeah, it, it's just a word. We we assign power to words way too many, way too much, way too much. Yeah, and and so just not being fearful of that. And the same thing, like the next step is, uh, whenever you begin to actually give some details about how how body parts work. You know, especially when you have the, you know, the second kid, the first kid may start asking questions. <laughs> How did that kid get here? You know, kind of thing. And so, you you know, in answering that, um, how to answer that. And so it's we have a range on that six to ten. Um, I we were laughing about how if 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 they begin to learn in their schooling how to label something then and how something works, then they're old enough to understand how to label something and how sex works. Mm-hmm. And that, I, I think Dana earlier said if they can spell it, they can say it. <laughs> you know, if we can, if they're cognitive, and I know my my son can tell you every name of every dinosaur. It's not too big for him. It's it's scientific. It's just it's factual. And so our kids are trying to learn the world around them. Zero to four, they're learning vocabulary. They're trying to figure things out. They're going to ask questions. So when a four year old asks a question and they point to something and they say, "What's what are those mommy or what is that mommy? Um, Don't shut your child out. Don't say, go away. That's private. You know, you say, what, what a great question. And then you answer it as it, your, our body serves a purpose and you can answer it from a purpose perspective. When they get from six to 10, that's the age where kids are, they're, they care about their peers. They care about their friends. I mean, they, that's when they start like, Hey mom, drop me off at the corner. You know, I want to go play with my friends. And, um, and so we want to be the source of information before their friends are, because mm-hmm. they're going to start thinking their friends are smarter than we are yes. <laughs> at that time. Uh-huh. So the peer relations, that's where we want to really start answering some of their questions. And we also have spiritual development. And so kids are capable at that age of understanding that God has a plan. He has a way of working things. And so when he brought mommy and daddy together, his plan was for us to make a family. It looks different. You know, my family, I have two biological kids and an adoptive child. And so there's different conversations in that. But I remember, like, I I remember. I may be a weirdo, but I cried in telling my kids the first talk because I was excited to say out of love and affection, we created you. Yeah, it's a beautiful thing, really. It is. Mm -hmm. I love that because you're you're right. I I think for a lot of parents, your seven-year-old comes and this happens all the time and it's like, mommy, um, where do babies come from? Mm-hmm. I mean, especially maybe there's a new baby in the family and they're curious about that. Mm-hmm. You know, that's when we, we invented the stork, you know, kind of thing or whatever <laughs> kind of theory we want to go to. Yeah. That's typically where we want to default. Mm-hmm. But you're saying, no, let's, there's a way to answer mm-hmm. that at that age. Sure. And again, it goes back to age appropriate. At the age of seven, I don't think I would say, well, ha- have a seat, son, and pull out a magazine and yeah. start showing yeah. diagrams. But that's where I'd say God gifted this baby to us because mommy and daddy loved each other or or love each other. And so you begin to, it's building blocks. You begin to build on, you've taught the vocabulary zero to four. Mm -hmm. You begin to just create this story of creation, Mm -hmm. which then you get into at the ages of nine to 12, which 
Yes. And we were talking about what we would enjoy is sort of like a rite of passage thing. I mean, a lot of cultures sort of have a celebration of entering into, you know, from pre-adolescence to actual adolescence, those sorts of things. Mm -hmm. But maybe your culture doesn't do that, but you can create that. Um, I remember when my daughter began to menstruate, like that, like we made that a day, you know, we went and had a great lunch together. We went to the store to buy, like, we, you know, all the stuff. We had these long conversations about the packaging and what they were called and why they were called that. And and so it we it was an easy day, you know, type of thing mm-hmm. of just and giving her time to ask stuff that probably had been floating in her head, you know. Yeah, the wow. whole time. Wow, you just you, you embraced it. You, mm-hmm. you just kind of were intentional about that. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And if you are. You know, obviously, as therapists, we're good listeners and good with words sometimes. Mm-hmm. If you are struggling with that, there's great resources. I mean, I'm sure we can add that on to this podcast that yeah. can, you know, you can read it out loud if that helps you. Yeah, that was going to be my next question. Y'all, y'all do mm-hmm. have resources and tools that you would recommend to help guide a parent through this rather than just trying to uh, navigate it. Yeah. In the dark, if you will, if it wasn't navigated appropriately with your parents. We do. And even, you know, Dana has a daughter. I have a home of all boys. And so I'm. we haven't had the talk yet. But my rite of passage, I'm so excited for it because like, there's excitement. It's going to be a basket and we're going to put deodorant in it. And we're going to put this workbook. that This is called Guy Stuff, the body book for boys. And it's got pictures of smelly armpits and why you need to shower and... um it's all these things that are just, there's, there's no shame in this. This is how we work. And, um, I don't know what else we'll put in there. Like, I don't know, beef jerky or something, but but it's a, but it's a, but it's a rite of passage. It's this thing where it's, we are so excited for you. We're not afraid of this next season for you. Mm -mm, mm -mm. We also have a little acronym of, um, you know, the age of when you are having these conversations. And I think it's, um, we'll speak about the how in a minute, but one of the things that the acronym is going to talk about is just this openness and this willingness, because throughout all of those age spans, um, you might not be having the rite of passage conversation, but it's being willing and open to answer questions as they come along. Yes. So it's not going to just be in an isolated here, hand, hand someone a basket and then talk about it and never talk about it again. So that does seem because like, I think a lot of times we think of it that way. It's mm-hmm. just like this standalone little mm-hmm. awkward talk. OK, and we're good. We check that one off and we don't have to talk about it again. Yeah. Like I just think, no, they're going to continually. Need, it's almost like that should just be the beginning of an ongoing conversation, really. Mm-hmm. Right. You know, where we now have the freedom and we welcome this conversation. Mm -hmm. This is a great conversation to continually have together. Yeah. So we've talked about the why we have the conversation. Uh We talked a little bit now about the ages that we uh, use actual language uh, Mm -hmm. in that early stage. And then as their bodies begin to change, we progress to talk a little bit further Mm -hmm. along. So help us now with the why. You mentioned an acronym Mm -hmm. that y'all use that we had talked about before the Mm -hmm. podcast. Help, Help us with that. Well, we call it core. So uh, C is curious, O is open and willing, R is respect, and E is empathy. And 
I love the word curious because I often advise when I have families working with adolescents is instead of taking a comment that someone says, like an adolescent says to you and your kiddo of, um, you know, so-and-so at school did such and such, and then you say, you instantly go into a lecture sort of thing. You get curious as to why they brought it up. What are you telling me about that? How do you think that kid decided to do what they did? What do you think is going on in their life that that is happening for them? You ask questions to make, and they don't know why they're telling you this usually. They just, something popped up. And so being curious, like, why are you bringing up this question about sex to me? Not not as a chance to like, oh boy, uh, I'm going to catch them mm-hmm. doing something that they're not supposed to do. And now I know, and I can guard and mm-hmm. re- uh, build walls around them now thicker, heavier walls, you know, be curious. So rather than why as a shame word, like, why are you bringing this up to me? But just, hey, what, hey, that's an interesting question. What's prompting that? Mm-hmm. What, what's going on that uh, you're talking about? We're talking about this question. Very much. Yes. Yeah. Or, you know, asking, have you ever heard of this word? You know, maybe it's, have you ever heard of the word sex? Find out what they already know about yeah. it, because then we know what where our holes are and where our gaps are. Yeah. So they might come. They might say, "Well, I know everything about it. Can you can you please tell me what you know? I'd love to learn what you know, and then I'd like. Would you be willing to listen to what I know about it? So it's almost like a diagnosis. If I go to a doctor, I've got a cold or something. He says, "Hey, what's going on with you?" Mm. And so it's the same type of thing where I'm trying to gather information from them that I can be able to come around that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the barrier to that curiosity is fear. When I work with parents, most of the time they don't want to know yeah. why their child is asking mm-hmm. them that question. Mm-hmm. It's too scary. And I think that's where we, as parents, we have to stop being afraid. We should be more afraid if we're afraid. And mm-hmm. we we have to just be willing to be there. We mm-hmm. are Kids are craving community, they're craving connection, they're craving belonging, and we can eliminate a lot of the things we're afraid of if we have that connection and belonging in our own homes. Yes. So when our kids come home from school and they say, I don't, I don't, I don't want to talk about that anymore. Oh, why? What happened? Tell me more, you know, and mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so. So that's the curiosity. Curious. How about the open? What is that? What's that look like? <laughs> I think of it as just being, um, you know, like leaning toward it instead of avoiding it. Anything we fear, we avoid. So willingness is leaning toward it. Um, I, my husband has been really awesome with our kids. Um, I'm curious as what he's going to do with our third because she's a female and 15. But with my boys at a certain Boy Scout trip, they would be hiking like for two weeks or something. It would be really long. And in that, he always purposely planned. He was very willing, A, to go on the trip. And B, he was very willing that he knew that on that trip, he told his whole sexual history to his kids in an appropriate way. And just this past week, um, our oldest is back living with us due to, you know, online schooling and college and all that kind of stuff. And so I, we, I asked him, I said, what did you think of that talk from dad? And he said, what I learned from it is that I needed to know why I wanted to be intimate with somebody 
not the right and the wrong about it, but I needed to figure out, I need to figure out why before I become intimate. And I was like, whoa, like if my husband had not been willing to do that conversation, he, you know, he may, because I, in fact, the whole reason the conversation started was that I had been very willing to talk to him, but I had been willing to say, if you're going to date a girl and after dating her one time or something, you figure you don't like her and you see that you're going to go ahead and break up with her, you probably should go ahead and not continue the relationship. But I wasn't willing to know my kid. My kid's very anxiety prone. And he took that as, I just don't date. (laughs) I'm already scared. I'm already, so I have to be, that's another willing. I have to be willing to know my kid. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's good. And the openness of, you know, it would be so much easier to, where do babies come from? A stork. Call it a day. Find a book about a cute stork and move on. There's even movies about a stork, I think, whole thing. Mm -hmm. It'd be so much easier to do that in the short term. But we're looking long term. We're looking at your child's. You are creating this core foundation of how they view sex. And so being willing to say, that's a really great question. Thanks for asking. And you might not have the time to talk about it in that moment, but you can, but revisit it. Whatever you need to do, be willing and open in those in those times. Do, you know, you make it's curious to talk about your husband sharing, you know, his own journey. Um, you know, and again, I'm assuming that that's probably more of, you know, maybe as a teenager when you get into some of those, yes. you know, that level of telling the story. But, you know, I'm guessing that even if your journey is one where there's a lot of uh, you had a lot of struggles mm-hmm. sexually or there was a lot of things that were not pretty about mm-hmm. your sexual journey mm-hmm. that that's still okay to be able to share kind of that process you went through and and kind of what God taught you through that. Yes. And so that they could see that how you've healed as well. Right, right. So it's not like, well, you only do that if you have this perfect story. Like, well, here's exactly how I did it all right, even mm-hmm. if there was part of it was there's a lot of hardship yeah. in that area along the way. Yes. And still a story God can use. To yes. Help your child. And in, in like in our case too, you know, you can still have a happy marriage and we're 25 years into this. And I think sometimes that we may communicate that in the Christian world that, that a sinful um, behavior can alter your future forever and your marriage in the future. But God can heal that. That's awesome. So moving on to the R, so we've got curious, open, and then we have respect. Um, we have to respect our children when they come and ask questions and or if we find that they've been looking at something online that they shouldn't have been looking at or if um, they're friends with someone who maybe you know has a sexual history that you're not proud of, we need to respect them or else all of these good things that we're learning to talk to them about, they are not going to listen to us. Nobody wants to listen to somebody that they feel doesn't respect them as a person. So what does respect look like? It might look like saying things like, that's a great question, or thank you for trusting me with that question, Mm -hmm. or um, I found something, I need to talk to you about it. I'm not pleased with it. I want to help you through this, as opposed to the language of shame. Language of shame looks 
looks like, I can't believe you did this. How dare you? Don't you know better? You know, and, and we've we've all been there. We've all, we all can think of someone who has spoken to us in a way that makes us feel disrespected. So we just have to be cautious of our words and loving with our words. And be respectful, I think, too, of the opposite sex. So like if you're teaching your daughter about men, you know, being respectful not to say, all men want is this, you know, they just want sex from you. You have to show that this God has a purpose and a plan for this man, whether where he's at right now may not be where he needs to be. Some guys act like that sometimes. They may not stay that way, but not all men are not like that. Same thing with women. You know, a woman isn't, you know, we make jokes, you know, she's just dating you for your money or that sort of stuff. You know, being respectful of the opposite sex Mm -hmm. is so crucial to teach to young people. That's a good one. The last one's probably my favorite and it's the hardest um, and it's empathy. Um, (laughs) I think that we as parents, we need to have empathy for um, how difficult it is to be growing up right now in our culture. Uh, literally everywhere someone goes, they can get their hands on, let's say, pornography or something that they are being told by other people they shouldn't be doing. Mm-hmm. And so it is from the moment they wake up to the moment they go to bed, it is having to make good choices. And good choices are hard for kids because their brains aren't wired that way. And so it's just having that empathy for how difficult it is to grow up right now. And that's hard because sometimes as parents, we're just angry because they're causing us a lot of grief with their behaviors. But it's really empathizing that this is uncomfortable and this might be awkward, but being a teenager is hard. And because we love you, we will have these conversations. They're good. Yes. Yes. Yeah. No, I, I love that. You know, and uh, there's so much to take away from that. I, I do feel like we don't intend to do it, but sometimes when that maybe it's our teenager begins to open up about a tough conversation. <laughs> Again, maybe it's the fear, but we, we just get shocked and we just want to shut it down. Like, yes. I don't even want to know about that. You know, I don't even yeah. want to know about that, but you guys are laying out, I think to this acrostic, just a great model, like you said, to keep us curious, to be, to lean in, to be open, um, to be respectful and to empathize. You know, I just think those are such great things to, and I love mm-hmm. the fact that it's about um, keeping us in a an ongoing conversation. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, that we're going to walk beside you in this and it's okay to keep talking about it. Um, we're not just a one and done conversation. Now you're on your own, but I'm going to come walk alongside of you in this journey. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, there's a ton we could continue to talk about here. Um, we are just so grateful Um just for what you do to come alongside in the counseling world, but also to take on some tough topics like this Mm -hmm. and to not run from it. And uh, Cheryl, I remember, you know, before talking to you about, you know, that you kind of get energized and I think I can see the same thing (laughs) with you, Dana, about let's go there, you know, let's, there's, there's so much really to celebrate. I think that the world in a lot of ways is trying to steal away Mm -hmm. some beautiful things Mm -hmm. that God has built into us. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's in a sense, we're kind of reclaiming that Yeah, saying, look, there's some great, wonderful, beautiful things here. Mm-hmm. Let's, let's go. We there. feel really privileged to have these conversations with families because if not, they, and often people end up in the counseling office in marriages, yes. having mm-hmm. marital conflicts surrounding sexual hurts or individual sexual trauma. So we feel like it is such a gift. And I mean, it, 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 
we want every parent to really be their child's therapist, you know? So it's the, oftentimes parents will bring the kids to us so we can have these conversations, but we feel like God has equipped parents to Mm. do it themselves. I love that. So. Yeah, that's awesome. So Wally, any takeaways uh, for you today? Anything, anything standing out? Yeah, I think normally I do have a takeaway. Um, (laughs) Today, I'm just grateful. Uh, I'm grateful that we have people like Cheryl and Dana uh, Mm -hmm. who can help us navigate these things so that in, in something that strikes fear or can strike fear or anxiety in my heart, uh, you know, I've got grandkids, so I'm well beyond the age of talking to my kids about sex. But um, if, if I'm a parent out there that's got young kids that, okay, there's resources for me. Um, and so, um, you know, I think you guys even have a podcast coming up uh, that you're going to be talking. We'll let them introduce that in mm-hmm. a second where they can gain more information. So I a gratefulness, if you will. Yeah, I, I, I really agree. Um, yeah, you know, and do, I do want to just a moment talk about that. But before we just kind of wrap up, any mm-hmm. final parting shot from you guys? You know, just a, a word of hope or encouragement. Procreation. Procreation. <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I love it. I'll think of that yeah. in a whole new way. Yeah, that's, that's really, good. Really I hope so. Yeah, yeah. I hope. No, we're we're glad to be here. We're thankful to be here. We. Um, we do. Um, we are launching an online curriculum. Um, our goal is in November, November first. Yes. We, we wrote it down and signed it, so that's our our goal. And we want it to be online because it's uncomfortable, and people still do experience shame and uncomfortableness and fidgetiness. So we want people to be able to watch it and gain information on it, and then feel equipped to go have all these really great conversations with their kids. Yeah. So exactly. awesome. Well, we'll definitely. Uh, List that on our okay. uh, website so that mm-hmm. listeners can can learn about that and, and check that out. I think that'd okay. be fantastic. Thank and you. in general, um, if uh, people wanted to connect with either one of you, what's the best way to they wanted to learn more, connect with y'all? How how would they do that? Mm-hmm. Our website, uh, okay. True North TW for the Woodlands dot com. Mm-hmm. Um, you're able to go in there and uh, read about all of our counselors, see which one may be a fit for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you're also you can call if you have questions, and you can even set yourself up with an appointment. So that's the best way to get a hold of us. Mm-hmm. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Hey, well, thank you so much for tuning in, and uh, just want to remind you that the Equip Online podcast is a partnership between Stonebridge Church and Mosaics of Mercy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Mosaics of Mercy is a wonderful nonprofit in our community, and their desire is to be a digital resource, mental res- uh, mental health resource hub, where we try to connect people to counselors, uh, support groups, all kinds of great uh, opportunities to take some next steps. Um, and if you'd like to learn more about this conversation, uh, we have a, the Equip Online podcast, and uh, you can go check out episodes and other resources that we talk about. And uh, as always, we just want to tell you our desire is that you would walk in the fullness of life that you've been created for. God bless you. <laughs>